Good afternoon. You're listening to the Manitoba Farm Journal. Manitoba Agriculture Minister Blaine Peterson met with a number of groups yesterday to discuss the drought situation. He also addressed the media. We met this morning, uh, met with my department, and then we met with some groups, and I'll speak about that a little bit later. But went over sort of the programs that we've got right now, and then we met with the group after. But so uh, MESC, Manitoba Agricultural Services Corporation, has a number of programs right now. Uh, they're actively working with livestock producers to adjust hay fields and determine they're eligible for either advance payments or premium deferral, whether they can not try to harvest it but turn uh, that uh, hay field over for pasture. We brought out our, uh, we call it the BMP 503, that's our water supply, whether you're uh, digging new wells or or uh, cleaning out dugouts or building dugouts and piping in water. We've uh, opened up all our non-leased crown lands, made them available for haying, if, if it's at all possible there. We've also reached out to other organizations that have pasture and hayland to make sure that they're making it available for, for hayland. I should just say, really, our, our emphasis today is on the cow herd. It's about feed supply. Uh, it's about, and I call it maintaining that mama cow herd, and whether that's cows or bison or, or sheep or goats or whatever. We need to find some feed in order to maintain that base uh, cow herd here. The, the crop supply, the crop side, uh, you know, it's an ongoing thing. It's not quite as critical in terms of dealing with it right now as it will be in the in the cow herd because we need to find that whether it's hay supplies or whether it's even pasture and feed for the cows to maintain the cows. So the MASC is also working um, uh, with with the producers on there, there's a various programs. We have, uh, as you know, under agri-stability, we, we remove the reference margin limit, which really helps the cattle producers, uh, the cow side of it. Uh, we extended the deadline to June 30th. I really hope that cattle producers did sign up for the agri-stability. Uh, we have made an enhancements to the forage insurance, a number of different enhancements on there. Um, you know, including the forage disaster benefits and, and things like that and uh, transportation component. We all, MESC also provides financing to beef and livestock producers, uh, you know, whether it's, it's, it's about how to maintain the cash flow, payment deferrals if necessary, advances on stocker loans, et cetera. There's, there's lots of programs that have been there. So we're, we're looking at all the options. Uh, MESC is also working with crop producers if there's a salvage value on cropland you know rather than harvesting it for grain but that's that's more of an individual crop producer decision but if it's at all possible we're we're going to make sure we have all the options so that's that's where we're at now so this morning i did meet with uh, four groups we we met together a teams meeting uh we had the mantle beef producers the Manitoba Forage uh, Growers Association, Association of Manitoba Municipalities, and the Keystone Agricultural Producers. So as a group, we met, and what I'm asking, what I asked of the of the groups, and our department was was on the call or two. What we asked of the group was groups was to go back to your respective membership and find out exactly what do we need to do in order to maintain that 
that's mama cow herd. So they're going to go back to their membership. They're going to, to find that out, uh, you know, what specific needs they are. We're going to our, our – so the work has started now. The uh, groups are gone back to their membership. Our department will be, you know, reaching out to them. We're re- going to reconvene within a few weeks and come up with a plan with their input uh, and sort of form this working group. And we, we formed this working group. The idea is, is to develop a plan with the industry rather than government or particular industry trying to come up with a plan. We're all going to work together, and, and how are we going to maintain the cow herd as best we can uh, to maintain the, our numbers in the coming years? I was really pleased that when these groups came together to, you know, to address the challenges today, by working together, we, we can come up with some solutions. It's, it's a difficult time for everybody and there are many different individual circumstances, but we're going to do our best to address the situation uh, as it is currently right now. That was Manitoba Agriculture Minister Blaine Peterson. A look at what's happening in the markets this afternoon is coming up. Good afternoon, I'm Corey Canute. Federal Agriculture Minister Marie-Claude Bebo is hoping farmers on the prairies get some much-needed rain. She commented on the drought situation. We will be there in different ways to support uh, if and when needed. As you know, uh, for example, agri-recovery, uh, the, the way the process is, is made is that the, the provinces will call on us when they feel it's, it's the right time. And, and also, I'll just remind you that uh, at the federal level, we are still willing to increase the compensation rate on agri-stability from uh, 70 to 80%. So this is another way to support uh, even better our farmers. And the dry summer is causing challenges for aerial applicators. Jim Peters is the owner of Pemina Air Services. It's been dry obviously as uh, as we all know so that has really put a crimp on our spring. All fungicides of, uh, by air have been uh, cut back as well as ground I'm, I'm assuming. Peter says they're probably down 30 to 40 percent in acres from previous years. That was a look at today's farm news. I'm Corey Canute. Good afternoon and welcome to the Prairie Eggwire for Friday, July 9th. I'm Corey Canute. Coming up today, we'll hear from the chair of the Canadian Roundtable for Sustainable Beef. The Global Roundtable for Sustainable Beef has announced the launch of its Global Sustainability Goals. Today, Glenda Lee Allen-Vosser talks with Anne Nwasco. She's the chair of the Canadian Roundtable for Sustainable Beef. Let's start by talking about the Global Roundtable for Sustainable Beef. Now, the Canadian Roundtable for Sustainable Beef is a part of this. Can you set the stage? Explain to us a little bit about the organizations and and their role, their mandate. The Global Roundtable for Sustainable Beef is, as you've described, uh, kind of the worldwide network for um, folks, organizations uh, looking to um, move forward, advance sustainability in in the beef sector. So certainly uh, a group of uh, 24 countries, uh, 12 various re- regional roundtables, of which, as you've described, Canada is one of those, uh, all make up uh, the membership of the Global uh, Roundtable for Sustainable Beef. So, uh, so that's um, they're you know setting the kind of setting the stage globally. Um, as as we know, you know, beef production around the world varies a lot. So, um, having a global roundtable and then the regional roundtables uh, kind of taking more of the 
specific um, functions in, in regards to sustainability in, in the various countries. So what kind of groups, organizations are actually members of this? Well, it, again, the complete um, gamut of stakeholders from, from one end of the production system to the other. Uh, so you'll have uh, uh, end users, whether you're talking about various retailers, uh, food service uh, industries, you'll have uh, processors, you'll have uh, producer groups, um, uh, NGOs are involved, certainly various ag businesses, uh, various producer groups, and then of course the often the, the national um, cattlemen's associations, for example, the Canadian Cattlemen's Association and the National Cattlemen's Beef Association in the U.S. are, are members as well. So really much across the entire um, supply chain uh, from one end to the other are all active members in the Global Roundtable. Now, the Global Roundtable for Sustainable Beef has announced the launch of its Global Sustainability Goals. The conversation around beef sustainability is growing, um, globally especially, and, and I think more important now than, than ever before. And so in, in terms of that conversation, uh, globally, the GRSB certainly saw the need to, to set goals to, to show that the industry is, uh, is you know, prepared and ready to, to advance sustainability. It's, um, it's an important conversation, and so how else better than to, A, uh, set goals. That also gives us the ability, the capability to say where we've been, uh, what we've done, but then also to show that um, in terms of sustainability, you're advancing advancing that mark and uh, improving as we go forward, as we have all along, but setting those goals to show, actually show and be solid uh, with that evidence to, to show that we're doing what we say we're doing. So what are the goals? Well, first of all, there's been three areas of focus that these goals are really reflecting um, to prioritize that advancement and improvement that I talked about. So first is in the area of climate. And that, um, first of all, I'll also mention to Glenda Lee that these three areas of focus directly align with the Canadian goals that were announced last, uh, the first three goals that were announced last fall, if you recall. So the first one is climate and the global goal to reduce the net global warming impact of beef by 30%. And the second one is under land use, and it's ensured the beef value chain is a net positive contributor to nature. And the third one is in the area of animal health and welfare, and basically the goal reads to provide cattle with an environment in which they can thrive, achieve through adoption of best practices. So those, again, um, are, are kind of three of the the key areas that um, that globally, uh, I, the GRSB feels that all of the roundtables and and the and the global beef industry can work towards. And uh, as a matter of fact, they match direct on with Canada's three goals that we started with. So how do we get there? Around the world, there's lots of uh, variation in terms of uh, um, of how you how various countries are going to get to these levels. So I really can just speak for what you know what we're going to do in Canada. But things like um, working towards sequestering uh, more carbon in the soil, soil that we have, 3.4 million uh, tons of carbon is what our goal here is in Canada. We also are looking to reduce primary uh, GHG emission by 33% by 2030 here in Canada. So those would be some of the areas that we can, that we can work on. Um, things like um, keeping the native grasslands intact that uh, we already have 
and maintaining those natural landscapes uh, of uh, our, our ecosystems healthy and, uh, and, and through various things like managed grazing systems um, and uh, healthy rangelands. So there's lots of ways that uh, various countries are going to get there. Um, you know, I think Brazil would have a different list of priorities. The U.S. might have some different priorities, but those would be Canada's how we get there. I've been talking with Anne Wasco for Golden West. I'm Glendalee Allen Vossler. The dry summer is causing challenges for aerial applicators. Jim Peters is the owner of Pemina Air Services based in Morden, Manitoba. It's been dry, obviously, as uh, as we all know. So that has really put a uh, a crimp on our spraying. Yeah, um, all all fungicides of, uh, by air have been uh, cut back, as well as ground. I'm I'm assuming with the dry conditions, the uh, the uh, the crops that we traditionally spray by air, canola, wheat. Um, are not uh, susceptible to disease as much and um, do not require uh, protection. What about uh, spraying for um, insects or weeds? Um, very little herbicide uh, was done by air uh, because of the dry conditions. We are seeing some applications uh, for grasshoppers in canola and in wheat, and maybe there will be a bit more of that coming up. How would you compare this year to previous years? We're probably down uh, 30 to 40% uh, in acres from previous years. What area do you uh, normally cover? We're generally in the uh, Morton Winkler area out, out west to Crystal City area, uh, up into Treehern and into Gladstone area. Looking forward here, um, do you expect to see more planes in the air or kind of what's your outlook? Well, if it doesn't rain, um, it, we don't anticipate seeing much activity with the airplane uh, unless unless there's some bugs. That was Jim Peters, the owner of Pemina Air Services, based in Morden, Manitoba. That's it for the Prairie Eggwire for today. If you have any questions or opinions to share, send them to us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. On behalf of Glenda Lee Allen Vossler, I'm Corey Canute. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. The Prairie Eggwire will return next week on the Golden West Farm Network. Time now for a look at the farm calendar. CFAM Radio 950 is hosting a Farmer Appreciation Lunch Tuesday, July 13th in Plum Coulee at the Harvest Christian Fellowship Church parking lot. The drive through event will take place from 1130 until 1. The grand prize this year is a Meridian Grain Max Hopper Bottom Bin valued at more than $20,000. Sponsors this year include Loadline Manufacturing, Mandico in Plum Coulee, and Red River Seed in Morris. Farm Credit Canada is offering a free online workshop July 13th entitled The Modern Family Farm Transition. Visit the FCC website to register. And the Canadian Semental Association has moved its AGM online July 24th. Visit their website for viewing information. Continuing with the Manitoba Farm Journal here, on this Friday afternoon, the House of Commons has adjourned for the summer. Federal Ag Minister Marie-Claude Bebo talked about some of the highlights. Well, the intergenerational transfer uh, passed through uh, and got the royal assent. So it's a good news and the commitment that we had in our mandate letter, Minister Freeland and myself. Uh, so there is still work to do with the Department of Finance to to put the, the real fra- framework around it, the fiscal framework. Uh, but our officials will be working on it so we can bring 
um, and more precise and, and you know, all, to put in place the steps that need to be done uh, to make this, uh, this happen for fiscal year 2022. So this is something that was dear to my heart, that is still dear to my heart. So facilitating intergenerational transfer is, is definitely a good thing. Give us a bit of an update on, um, I guess, the, the consultation process for the next egg policy framework and um, I, uh, some meetings coming up um, in the next few months here. Yes, actually, uh, I'll have my FPT, Federal, Provincial, and Territorial Ag Minister meeting next week. Uh, and we are planning another one in September, the, the, the big one, but still. Uh, and uh, we are working on the next policy framework, the Canadian Partnership Agreement or something like this. It will be for five years, starting in 2023. Uh, obviously, from my point of view, from the federal point of view, uh, we want to really make sure that we uh, we work for the transition uh, in the in an even more green economy in an e- even more sustainable agriculture because it's more and more obvious that climate change is affecting us it, it, it's real you can feel it with all these extreme weather events uh, that farmers are the first one uh, to feel uh, it's it is critical that we protect the quality the the health of our soil and water so we definitely have to uh, to invest significantly in everything we can do to increase um, emission um, uh, carbon sequestration and reduce uh, emission. And actually, the other good reason for the ag sector to take it very seriously and double down, because we are already recognized as having a Canadian sustainable agriculture, but we, we need to keep this good reputation and to deserve this reputation as a leader in sustainable agriculture, well, we have to do even more. And this is what the consumers in Canada and around the world are asking. So uh, it's definitely uh, going in this direction. So it's going to be a big part of, of my, uh, my input <laughs> into this, uh, this um, discussion. And the consultation, as you said, is open. We will have a number of roundtables and in online consultation because we want to hear the uh, the input of the different you know farming communities or um, food processing uh, groups as well so it's and consumers so it's very important to hear what everyone has to say on this any thoughts on the uh, on the drought situation and and what farmers are facing here in in on the prairies oh it's um well i i feel deeply for the for the farmers, the situation is is very difficult in some regions, and uh, I mean it. It has a, a very significant impact on, on crops, on on animals, and and on people and farmers themselves and their families. So, I hope that uh, we will see rain coming your way as soon as possible. And uh, well, we we will be there in different ways to support uh, if and when needed. As you know. Uh, for example, agri-recovery uh, um, is uh, the, the way the process is, is made is that the, the provinces will call on us when they feel it's, it's the right time. And, uh, and also, I'll just remind you that uh, at the federal level, we are still willing to increase the compensation rate on agri-stability from uh, 70 to 80%. So this is another way to, 
to support uh, even better our farmers. That was Federal Agriculture Minister Marie-Claude Beeble. Another look at what's happening in the markets heading into the close is coming up in just a moment. Time now for another look at today's farm news. The dry conditions have limited fungicide spraying, presenting a challenge for aerial applicators. Jim Peters is the owner of Pemina Air Services. He talked about spraying for insects and weeds. Very little herbicide was done by air uh, because of the dry conditions. We are seeing some applications for grasshoppers in canola and in wheat, and maybe there will be a bit more of that coming up. Peter says they're probably down 30 to 40 percent in acres from previous years. And Manitoba Agriculture Minister Blaine Peterson met with a number of groups yesterday to discuss the drought situation. Peterson talked about what they're doing to help farmers. Manitoba Agricultural Services Corporation has a number of programs right now. Uh, they're actively working with livestock producers to adjust hay fields and determine they're eligible for either advance payments or premium deferral, whether they can not try to harvest it, but turn uh, that uh, hay field over for pasture. We brought out our, uh, we call it the BMP 503, that's our water supply, whether you're uh, digging new wells or cleaning out dugouts or building dugouts and piping in water. We've uh, opened up all our non-leased crown lands, made them available for haying. Peterson met with Manitoba beef producers, Keystone Agricultural Producers, Manitoba Forage and Grassland Association, and the Association of Manitoba Municipalities. I'll be back after this to wrap up today's program. We've come to the end of another Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us by email, farmdesk at goldenwest.ca. Today's closing numbers with more in-depth commentary on what's happening in the markets is coming up at 10 to 2 on the Markets Farm Program. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. Hope you can join us back here on Monday, starting at 12 noon.